Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 52nd, I almost said 57th, 52nd episode of PEM Podcast, the Psychic Eye Mystery Podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Laurie. This is my beautiful sister, Sandy, my sidekick, um, my partner in crime. Um, and we've already established, I don't, I don't do crime. We've established, I don't do crime. Just saying. Well, that's what we <laughs> tell people. Wink. can't even throw eggs <laughs> oh my god oh my god the egg incident the egg incident the egg non-incident yeah eggnog egg non-incident yes versus me i'm like i have my ninja outfit all ready yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> i'm throwing stars ready to go. i have batons yes. i have clubs i have you know whatever you need acrobatics you, need? you know it's kind of like opening the the overcoat okay what yeah. do you need murder okay yeah. we got knives we got yeah. guns we got grenades we got you know whatever um yeah no i'm ready to go at a moment's notice uh versus my sister is like just the police drive by and i have an egg in my hands yeah or uh, my refrigerator drive by they <laughs> give you a salute and they keep on driving you anyway, we're off track go, already. I was just about to throw this. Arrest me. Yeah, slap the cuffs on you. I, the, the best line was when you were like, what if they get the eggshells and they can fingerprint, they can decide by the fingerprints. I'm like, yes. I wore gloves. The, the, the great egg caper. <laughs> That's how law-abiding I am. Those detectives yeah. a workout. <laughs> Gentlemen, we have to solve this egg crime. Well, it helps that I missed, so there was no crime. Yep. Yeah. Littering, right? Yeah, I guess I was I littering. Guess That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to egg a car ended up. But are you littering if it's biodegradable, right? Like <laughs> I would show up as your defense and be, you know, you can't handle the truth. It was biodegradable. So exactly. You know. Uh yeah. Anyway. <laughs> We're legends in our own minds. Um, okay, so start with the anecdote or book. What do you think? Anecdote. 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 Okay. Uh, read for a client of mine who's been to see me a couple of times over the couple of the past few years, um, and it's interesting because I recognize sometimes I recognize the person, but I I absolutely don't remember any of the details. So right away, um, a young man came came forward. And he gave me an acknowledgement that he had taken his life. And so I asked her, I said, um, did your son pass away? She said, yes. And I said, did he by any chance take his own life? And, you know, tears. And so I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, then I remembered that um, this poor woman, her son had uh, taken his life. Her other son was so distraught over it that he was uh, being watched at the time that I first read for her for uh, suicidal ten tendencies, the whole family had just been kind of taken to their knees. It was just devastating. Um, so anyway, so I'm reading for her and I've got her son in and he gives me this, he's trying to give me his name and um, names are hit or miss for me, big time hit or miss. And it sounded like Mike well. <laughs> and I'm like, was his name Mike well? And she's like, Maxwell. <laughs> Like, why didn't I get that? You know, like it's so obvious what that what that should have been, right? And I'm like, Mike Well, what kind of a name is Mike Well? Um, so it's Maxwell. Um, and then um, 
he was showing me a decked out motorcycle. And so I asked her, I said, did he like motorcycles? She's like, he was obsessed, absolutely obsessed. And I said, well, he's riding a motorcycle because I keep hearing, get your motor running. Bum, 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 bum. So he's over on the other side. And I said, did he have a friend who crossed over? She said, no. And I said, he didn't have a friend who also rode motorcycles that that crossed over. She's like, no. I'm like, well, he has made a friend in heaven. And these guys are thick as thieves. And they are exploring all that heaven has to offer them. So heaven is a reflection of the universe. So you can imagine, you can go anywhere. You can literally go anywhere. Anywhere in our universe, you can go over there. So he was letting me know that he was um, exploring different uh, worlds, different you know environments, all of that stuff. He was having a blast, absolute blast. And then he kept talking about, he kept showing me um, a motorcycle jacket, like a leather jacket. And um, he kept trying to give it to his brother. And uh, so they have his motorcycle jacket and, and he was instructing um, her to give it to his brother um, and to let his brother know, you know, it's all good. It wasn't your responsibility to save me. You know, he had terrible depression. Sometimes depression is terminal. And uh, in his case, it was. <clears throat> and um, um, oh, yeah. And he also let me know. He was like, I said, who had the birthday in April? She's like, he did. So um more confirmation that it was him it was just it was just really cool he um he was very animated like i love it when they come in and they've got tons of energy and they're very animated and they are so excited to make that connection you know um and let their loved ones know not only am i okay i'm thriving you know i'm thriving yes i miss you from the standpoint of we can't hug but I, he can check you know they can check in on us at any time we've discussed uh, in a previous podcast that they don't do that while you're on the toilet or in the shower or under the covers with your sweetheart. All other times, no bars. Yeah. They're just like, we can come at you. Um, so, uh, it was just kind of a, a really beautiful, very touching, um, experience. I just, I love it when they come through completely changed from the way they left you know, broken, um, just broken soul here, but on the other side, thriving, doing great, which, yeah. you know, I think it, it helps. I think it helps his mother, um, to know that there's no suffering that he's not, you know, um, working on a penance for taking his own life or anything like that. Like truly <clears throat> most souls who commit suicide, um, have depression so bad that it is a terminal disease for them. They they just, they need relief. Um, and as someone who had chronic depression for 50 years, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. That is wave upon wave upon wave. That's really hard to battle. So um, he uh, is doing well though. He's doing well on the other side. So um, family still misses him dearly wish things could be, you know, different for him, wish he could have finished out his life here, but he's on the other side and doing great. So, um, I thought, it, I thought it might help anyway. Okay. Promotion, Boop, ba -da -doo! a ghoul's guide to love and murder. So at the time I was writing this, the play, a girl's guide to love and murder was big in New York. So this was, I think 10 years ago, um, that I wrote this one, <clears throat> um, might've been longer 2012, I think was when I handed this manuscript in. So a girl's guide to 
do love and murder was uh hot uh hot on broadway so uh that's why it's got this title so probably in another five years people would be like that's a weird title um because they won't remember the play anyway so this was going to be the last one I knew it was the last one. Um, these have been the most difficult mysteries for me to write because there is a historical element along with, you have to combine it with like sort of a modern crime. So you have to kind of dig into history to pull out a ghost that can kind of pull off a crime. But then, you know, it's not necessarily the ghost that does it or the demon that does it. It's actually at the behest of a human. So it, they tended to be really difficult to craft um, and keep coming up with a different unique scenario every single time um plus the fact i just felt that after book nine where mj is heals an old old wound where her mother had uh passed away and her father had turned into an alcoholic and um i felt that her character had kind of gone through a transformation and had shifted um and that it was time to present mj with the opportunity for motherhood so I took that and ran with it. Um, but I wanted to kind of go out with a bang. So in this book, the uh, culmination of all of the other books, there are a bunch of demons that uh, come back through a special portal that's been made. And uh, they are intent on uh, getting their revenge against MJ and Heath by taking them out. Um, and, uh, there are some old enemies that are orchestrating a lot of this as well. So, um, it's a, it's a twisty one. It's a twisty and twisted one. So, um, enjoy, enjoy for this last in the series. Although I will say, um, I was entertaining the idea of <clears throat> writing some short stories and, um, one of those was going to be from the perspective of Gilly. And so I started, um, and I like it, but me telling a short story is like me telling a joke. It just doesn't do it. I just don't do it. It's just so like me throwing an egg. Yes, work. exactly. Fail, <laughs> fail. Um, so, you know, I'm like, well, this will probably be like 40 pages and I'm 40 pages into sort of the second chapter. So obviously it's not going to be a short story. Um, so I think when I can make room for it again, I think I might bring MJ and Gilly and Heath back for a caper. Um, cause I have a good idea and I think I'm, I'm just going to run with it. So maybe there'll be an MJ 11, Ghost Hunter Mystery 11. So, um, let me know if you want to see one. Right in the comments. When you, you have time. Me. Yeah, I know. Like a good right? idea. Like, or a post on your Facebook it. page. Yeah. What? What am I posting? Post that they, no, have our, your fans post on your Facebook page that they want another MJ mystery too. And they can do it on the podcast or on your website or on your Facebook Wherever page. comments are held, comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. Over to you, my fabulous... <laughs> Fabulous sister. Take it away. Thank you. Um, so this uh, week's case is also a missing man. Um, and this takes place in uh, 2021. At 9.15 a.m. on June 23rd, 2021, 24-year-old geologist Daniel Robinson left his Buckeye, Arizona job site in his 2017 blue-gray Jeep Renegade heading west toward the desert. 
Sadly, Daniel was reported missing later that day, and he hasn't been seen since. His father, David Robinson II, has advocated fiercely for his missing son, organizing multiple searches and putting pressure on authorities and the media to find his beloved son, but to date there has been no sign of Daniel. David has declared that he will not rest until his son is found. Daniel Cornelius Robinson was born in South Carolina on January 14, 1997 to proud dad David and mom Melissa Edmonds. Daniel grew up surrounded by a loving family and what was known to be very bright with an innate sense of adventure. After graduating with honors with a degree in geology from the College of Charleston in 2019, Daniel secured a job at staff hydrogeologist with the Matrix New World in Phoenix, Arizona. Given that one of his sisters lived in Phoenix, Daniel had, had uh, and had he had studied in Flagstaff, moving to Tempe, Arizona for this job opportunity seemed like a really good fit. After two years in Arizona, Daniel made plans for his family to visit him in July of 2021. He was looking forward to showing off his new home and sharing some of the sites he'd discovered while on the job, which entailed visiting and reviewing well sites in remote desert areas across the state. While he was putting in the time with Matrix New World, Daniel also took a part-time job with Instacart to help provide some extra cash. He made his first Instacart delivery on June 12, 2021, 11 days before he vanished. On June 23, 2021, the day that Daniel disappeared, it seemingly started out like any other day. On his way to his job site in Buckeye, he stopped at a Shell gas station and purchased $3.83 worth of fuel at pump number four. He left the gas station at 7.30 a.m. He arrived at his job site, I'm sorry, he left the gas station at 7.03 a.m. Uh, he arrived at his job site at 7.22 a.m. to meet with representatives from Weber to discuss their interest in drilling a well. Also in attendance at the meeting was one of Daniel's co-workers, Kenneth Bullard. Ken later reported to a supervisor that Daniel had acted strangely during the Weber meeting, staring off into the distance and talking about things that did not make sense. Ken's last communication with Daniel was via text, which he received from Daniel at 8.10 a.m. At 9 a.m., Daniel got into his blue-gray Jeep Renegade, where he sat for approximately 15 minutes. He then drove off the site located near the intersection of Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road, heading west on a roadway that took him deeper into desert terrain. By 3 p.m., Daniel had failed to return to the work site and had not been in touch with anyone about his whereabouts, which was alarming to Ken. So Ken got into his vehicle and began searching for Daniel and retraced the route to the Buckeye site by traveling south to a T intersection, which if turning east would have been the same direction where Daniel and Ken had come from earlier that day. However, Ken noticed Daniel's tire marks going westbound where that roadway turns into a vast desert terrain. Ken followed the path trying to find Daniel, but he was unsuccessful. By 7 p.m., David had learned that his son had not been seen or heard from since 9 a.m. that morning. So he contacted the Buckeye police, but was told that he had to wait 12 hours before officials could consider Daniel missing. David filed his missing persons report later that evening after the, prerequis the prerequisite 12 hours had passed. The report included a description of Daniel, a 24-year-old black male standing at 5 foot 8 and weighing approximately 165 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. Daniel had a distinctive physical abnormality. He was missing part of his forearm and hand. With Daniel's father, David, pressuring Buckeye police for answers, as well as demanding an accounting of their activities to find his son, we know that our authorities undertook the following investigative actions. The Buckeye police attempted to activate the UConnect system in Daniel's 2017 Jeep Renegade, but when authorities spoke with UConnect, they learned that while Daniel was listed in their system, an account had not been created for his 2017 Jeep Renegade. 
An officer was able to activate Daniel's account, which produced an email containing information about his vehicle. However, the GPS location read zero degrees by zero degrees. Authorities tried to triangulate Daniel's cell phone, but could not turn up the location of either Daniel or his car. They also called Daniel's cell phone two times, but received no answer. Buckeye police reviewed Daniel's AT&T cell phone records, which recorded five outgoing text messages prior to his disappearance. Four ground searches and two aerial searches were conducted by Buckeye police, but did not locate any sign of Daniel or his vehicle. Daniel's apartment was searched in early July, but there was no sign of foul play. And then on July 19th at 8.54 a.m., Daniel's Jeep was discovered by a rancher touring his property. The vehicle had rolled over and lay on its side in a ravine four miles from Daniel's Buckeye job site. Their airbags in the vehicle were deployed, and the officials said evidence indicated that the driver was wearing his seatbelt at the time of the crash. Several of Daniel's personal items were found with the vehicle, including his cell phone, wallet, and keys. Also among Daniel's personal things were a pair of jeans turned inside out, two brown work-type boots, a faded orange vest with the company logo, a t-shirt, and two socks also turned inside out. Detectives on scene noted that the Jeep had suffered significant damage and appeared to have undergone a front impact with the ground and rolled over before resting on the passenger side. A piece of the Jeep's black removable roof was on the ground, partially wedged under the front of the Jeep. The driver's front door window was shattered and the glass was strewn about the area, consistent with the Jeep rolling one time. There was also substantial damage to the lower front end, as well as damage to the top of the windshield and the roof. All the interior airbags appeared to have been deployed. No forensic testing was done on the scene because there was no blood evidence to warrant such a test. Daniel was not found at the vehicle site, so with the assistance of the Maricopa County Search and Rescue, Buckeye Police immediately conducted two more ground searches to locate the missing geologist, but to no avail. The Buckeye Police Department then commissioned Santan Recon to handle the vehicle crash reconstruction investigation. Their company's examination considered the forensic data from the Jeep's Renegade's internal computer system and confirmed a rollover crash occurred with which immobilized the Jeep, and the Jeep appears to have accelerated in speed shortly before the collision, suggesting that the driver may have attempted to drive up the other side of the ravine. Given that Santan Recon never had position of Daniel's vehicle during their inquiry and only used ground level and aerial photos of the crash scene to draw their conclusions, a frustrated David Robinson hired accident reconstructionist and private investigator Jeff McGrath of Free Laws Recon Investigations to piece together how Daniel's Jeep ended up in the ravine four miles from his worksite. After gaining access to Daniel's vehicle within days following its discovery, McGrath's findings were contrary to that of the Buckeye authorities. To him, the crash scene looked staged. He concluded that after the airbags deployed, somebody turned the vehicle ignition over at least 46 more times. Even more concerning was that there's an 11-mile discrepancy between the crash data report and the Jeep's odometer reading, indicating that the Jeep was driven around after the crash. McGrath believes that the Jeep crashed somewhere other than where it was discovered. Santan Recon countered that the 11-mile discrepancy between the crash report and the odometer reading is not unusual, and according to Jeep dealership employees, this type of discrepancy has been commonly noted in Jeep vehicles. But McGrath claims he worked on crash reconstruction investigations since 2004 and has never seen this type of discrepancy. McGrath said, quote, the airbags deployed and that vehicle traveled another 11 miles. Whether it was in a circle or a physical distance of 11 miles away, forensics retrieved from the Jeep cannot rule out foul play. In the months following the vehicle discovery, Buckeye police announced in September 2021 that they had worked with outside agencies to search over 70 square miles 
with the assistance of UTVs, cadaver dogs, drones, and helicopters, but they were unable to locate Daniel. In October of 2021, investigators shared that Daniel had been texting a woman named Caitlin that he had met in early June while delivering for Instacart. Upon their initial meeting, Caitlin had invited Daniel in to hang out at her home with a friend. The two then exchanged numbers. Text messages following their initial meeting showed that Daniel had made several unannounced visits to Caitlin's home. She indicated that she was extremely uncomfortable with his actions and then attempted to cease all contact with him. Concerned that Daniel may have been suicidal over the situation, police interviewed friends, family, and coworkers about his mindset prior to his disappearance and learned that he was not depressed or suicidal. But in the days leading up to his disappearance, he had at times been acting out of character. David Robinson moved to Arizona shortly after Daniel disappeared to devote his time to finding his son. While Daniel remains missing, David's advocacy and search efforts with volunteers have turned up at least two sets of human remains. In late July of 2021, a human skull was found in the area south of where Daniel's vehicle was recovered. However, DNA testing revealed that the skull did not belong to Daniel and no additional remains were recovered at the time. On November 9, 2021, it was announced that a second set of human remains had been discovered while searching for Daniel, but based on anthropological indication of race and the amount of time outside, officials concluded that these skeletal remains did not belong to Daniel. David also discovered that a federal law enforcement official had seen Daniel late in the morning the day he disappeared, cleaning his Jeep. The officer stated that Daniel seemed clear-headed and that he spoke briefly about target practice. He also confirmed that there was no damage to Daniel's Jeep at the time. David has been critical of the effort put into locating his son by law enforcement, claiming that he has done more to find his son than the local police. The family has also put together a GoFundMe page to help gather donations and a change.org petition titled Justice for Daniel Robinson, calling for accountability with the Buckeye Police Department investigating his disappearance. The petition now has over 40,000 signatures. Social media has also been a buzz about the lack of national attention devoted to Daniel Robinson's case compared to that of Gabby Petito, who also disappeared during the summer of 2021. The Buckeye police have said that the race that race is not a factor in Daniel's investigation. Quote, regardless of race, we have a father out there who is missing a son and looking for closure. End quote, said Assistant Chief Sanders. All we know is Daniel drove away that day. David has said that he will not give up on finding answers. He's my son, and I'm definitely not leaving him behind. We don't know what happened to my son after he left that work site, and to put out a narrative that he just crashed his vehicle and walked away is ludicrous to me. I know my child. I don't think he'd just take off like that. My sources for this story include Wikipedia, Daniel Robinson, KPNX12news.com, where is Daniel Robinson? Three months after the 24-year-old geologist disappeared in Buckeye, the case is now gaining national attention by Josh Sanders, 92221. Oxygen True Crime, I Know My Son, Father of Missing Geologist Daniel Robinson Continues to Search for Answers by Gina Tron, 5122. NBC News, Father of Missing Geologist Disputes Arizona Police Theory About His Son's Rolled Over Vehicle by Antonio Planis, 11421. Uncovered.com, Missing Daniel Robinson, a Young Geologist Goes Missing in Buckeye, Arizona, 62321. And KPINX, sorry, KPINX. 12news.com Buckeye Police release crash reports in Daniel Robinson's case by the KPNX news team 11321. And I just want to mention that this case was suggested by a friend named Bonbon, bon, who was very caught up in the Gabby Petito case and um, discovered the missing case about Daniel Robinson and really wanted us to pay some time and attention to it. So given that, uh, what are your impressions, Victoria? So <clears throat> it was interesting because when I was reading the 
the day that Daniel disappeared and the sort of inconsistencies in his personality, especially in the days leading up to it, um, it just felt really, really familiar to me when I was 19 um, and a freshman at uh, MSU, Michigan State University, my sweet mate um, had a had a nervous breakdown, a complete nervous breakdown. Um, she was a junior. She was uh, a straight A student. Um, she had had to work very, very, very hard uh, to get good grades because she didn't really come from a terrific school system. Um, and uh, my other sweet mate was not particularly nice to her, as was my roommate was not particularly nice to her. And in the spring um, of that year, she had a nervous breakdown. And we watched it sort of unfold over the course of a few days. So um, I'll call her Jane. Uh, Jane started to exhibit odd behavior. She started to talk about things that weren't there. She would have conversations that were all parts of the conversations as if she was speaking the voice of different people. And then the day that um, she really had a psychotic break, she went missing and she was wearing her pajamas and uh, they found her, they finally found her. Uh, her boyfriend was out of his mind with worry as were her parents. Um, and uh, she was taken to a facility uh, where they could help her and they did help her. And she eventually did uh, return to school. It had just been a culmination of stress um, over a long period of time that had sort of just built up along with, um, you know, honestly, some hazing from mean girls uh, on the floor. And <clears throat> because I had an upfront close look at what had happened to her, a lot of what was going on in the background with uh, this young man really struck a nerve with me. I just was, um, Daniel was exhibiting behavior that I saw firsthand in someone else. I think he had a psychotic break. I think that um, I think that the pressure of getting top grades, getting a getting a job, there were some financial stressors there. If he's taking a um, a job with uh, what was it, the job with the uh, cash delivery, Instacart, 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 <clears throat> and then he's rebuffed. His romantic um, overtures are rebuffed. So I think it, it just culminated in a separation from reality um i don't think he was crazy you know there's 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 a different sort of definition here this is someone who was under ex an extreme amount of pressure to perform um and excel and i think it just ended up being too much for him i think that he just had a little bit of fragil uh, fragility there where that was concerned the um genes that were turned inside out the socks that were turned inside out. Um, he probably declothed. It's June in the desert. He's hot, right? I think that he was seeing things that weren't there. Um, I don't get that he was on drugs. It just doesn't, there's no hint of that in the ether. I think that he had, honestly, he had a psychotic break and he might've been driving or hallucinating at the time, um, thinking he was driving on a straight road when actually he was driving up the side of a ravine, the Jeep rolled over. He's probably still having this disconnect with reality. He's turning the Jeep over and over and over again, trying to get it to start. Um, and then he just realizes he's hot, takes off his clothes and starts walking. Um, 
in the middle of June, in the middle of a desert, it doesn't really take long for you to dehydrate at all. So <clears throat> I honestly think that he had a psychotic break, walked away from the Jeep um, and just declined. He was probably succumbed to exposure, but he probably got maybe 10 miles before that hit him. Um, so I have, as an experienced runner, I have run um, 13 miles, 14 miles before with no water in you know heat. Um, it can be done, but that's the thing it does to your brain is not pretty. So, um, and, and I would recommend that to anyone. It was, you know, a bit stupid before. So my sense is, is that he probably got 10 to 15 miles away from the Jeep. You can walk easily. You can walk three miles an hour. So at, even if he was walking for five hours, that's 15 miles. He could have gotten away from the, from the Jeep. Um, he could have thought he was headed back the way he came but been so turned around with this separation from reality, it could have taken him much deeper into the desert. Who knows what direction he went in? Um, and I just think he um, died of exposure. I don't, I'm not picking up that there's any resolution down the road. There's a feeling of um, nothingness associated with it. So his poor father, um, I don't get that the Jeep crashed somewhere else. I just, I'm not buying that. I have a feeling that dealership employees who regularly work on Jeeps that are reporting some problems or inconsistencies probably know better than someone who is investigating crashes of every make and model of vehicle. So if they are saying this is consistent with what we've seen on this make and model, I'm going to believe them over the investigator. Plus it doesn't make sense. So he crashes the Jeep and then he drive somewhere else 11 miles away and rolls it over? Like, what's the point? You know, what's the point? And there was no other sign of another crash site. So it just like, none of that makes sense. None of that makes sense. And um, there's no blood found at the scene. The only clues are the jeans turned inside out, the socks turned inside out, the t-shirt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, I, I think it's telling that you just said that he, you know, he was having a psychotic break crashes keeps trying to turn the car over to get it started again, but he's not recognizing the degree of the damage or, right. or where the car has right. kind of been disabled. Exactly. Um, it makes sense to me that it was like, I got to get it started. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. Right. I mean, why other, what other reason could you possibly have to turn the car over 46 times when it's on its side? Like that, that, yeah. that isn't a staged crash. <laughs> a staged yeah. crash is push it over, Let's walk away. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're not going to be like, well, let's get it. it and turn the engine over, and then they'll be de they'll be able to detect that we turned it over 46 times. Like, there's no point yeah. to that. So, yeah, um, I, I truly think that he had a separation from reality. I don't think that he was suicidal. I don't think that he was on drugs. I just think that uh, the pressure got to him, and his behavior was really consistent, which with something that I have actually witnessed in my life. And it resonated with me. It's just like, yeah, this feels like exactly the same thing. So, uh, so sad, um, promising young man, his father obviously Very. loves him dearly. Um, I also agree that um, national attention should have been paid to him um, on the same par as uh, a white yeah, potato. woman, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> It, that upsets me a lot. 
that there's, you know, oh, she's white and pretty. Let's pay attention to her. Not that she shouldn't have attention paid to her, but let's also, you know, look at other people, right? Yeah. Uh, he anyway. was very handsome. Yeah, he was. So, yeah. Absolutely beautiful young man. So, <clears throat> yeah, sad. I feel like we get to the end of these every single time and we're like, <laughs> You it know, is it sad. is. These are heartbreaking. These cases yeah. are often just, uh, you know, if not for like one little different thing. The other thing that sort of rang a bell for me was the fact that he put $3 and what, 83 cents into his Jeep. Yeah. I thought that was an odd amount to gas up your car. So yeah. It's indicative of someone who's already separating, you know? Yeah. Like, thinks he's putting more gas in than he has, or, you know, it's not really there. It's just, yeah. it's behavior that is with someone who um, isn't aware of what's going on, completely aware. Well, it's clear that that's what his coworker was experiencing with him because he was concerned enough right, to go after him, right? right. So it's not like Daniel was exhibiting this behavior Maybe it was consistent. I don't know, but it was concerning enough that his coworker for sure got into his car and went to look for him, right. knowing something was very wrong. Right. So the staring off into space and the talking about things that didn't make sense that so resonated resonated with me because I specifically remember having a face to face with Jane, trying to figure out what the heck was going on with her, and she did that exact same thing, exact same thing. Wow. Um, and, uh, I think only because I've seen it before, can I say, yeah, I really think that's what happened to him. Um, and it's, it's so sad. He was, you know, if he'd been anywhere else in a metropolitan, yeah. you know, uh, area, <clears throat> suburban area, um, he probably would be alive and have gotten help and this wouldn't be the story that it is. Um, so unfortunately he just happened to be in a desert you know, when the psychotic break happened so, to him. So you don't think this will ever be resolved and there'll be no remains found? I don't think, I'm not, there's no there there. So <clears throat> when you ask me, do you think that, that they'll find the remains or that they'll they'll find him? I always send my radar out to in time to see if there's any energy, like a bubble of energy, like we found him. And um, when I do that, it just keeps going like endlessly. So that tells me that um, more than likely no one will find his remains. I'm astonished that they found skeletal remains of two other people in the middle of a desert, yeah. right? Like right. that astonishes right. me. But I have a feeling that he got much further away from the scene than anybody's giving him credit for. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So um, I think that he just started walking. It was early in the morning, obviously, when the jeep turned over right we're still talking mm -hmm. before noon so it wouldn't it wouldn't have gotten dark until uh let's see arizona in june probably wouldn't have gotten dark until at least seven so he probably had 12 hours of walking that even at just three miles an hour that's 36 miles away so <clears throat> it's not hard to walk a very long distance um if you just kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other I don't know if he succumbed to dehydration before then or heat stroke, which is also very likely and probable and probably made the whole disassociation with reality even worse. Um, but he could have gotten a, a pretty good distance away in the middle of the desert 
um, before he succumbed is sort of my feeling. So the fact that they're kind of looking in the area. Yeah. Around the Jeep. He's nowhere around there. He's nowhere around there. And which direction, right? Like, okay. So if you map out, all right, well, let's go 36 miles in any direction. Right. Um, It's not like you're following a road. Um, You're in the middle of a movement. So I just, you know, you've been to Texas and you've seen a wild boar uh, the day it was, it was hit. And then three days later, it's gone. So uh, in those arid environments, stuff disappears very quickly, very quickly. So um, I just feel very, very bad for his father, just to not know, to love his son so much and yeah. not know. It's just heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. Okay. Anyway, on that note, on that bummer, um, thank you for joining us. For the 52nd episode of the PEM podcast, if you enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoyed any of our podcasts, please hit the like button. Please subscribe to our channel. Um, And if you would like to know more about me or my books, please visit uh, victorialaura.com. Or if you want to sign up for an appointment with me, always welcome. Um, Victorialaura.com is the place to go. Other than that, that's all we got, right? We did it. For this week. Yes. For this week. We got to get a few more in the pipeline, um, which we'll work on. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the comments, the suggestions. We love you guys. Uh, Sandy and I have been blown away by um, all of the love that we get, all of the interest that we get. Uh, Nowhere in our wildest dreams did we imagine that um, this would be in any way popular. So this is awesome. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, maybe you imagined it. I was just like, we'll do five episodes and then we'll get bored. Um, so you forgot to tell me about that part, five episodes and then I'm bored. I, did I leave that on? Why did I, did yeah, I, for, did. I didn't really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, I thought it. <laughs> Lucy, Charlie Brown, football. Yeah. Yep. Every time, every time. Anyway, I love you a lot. Love you too. A lot, a lot, a lot. <laughs> uh, and I'll see you next week. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks yeah, everyone. But I'll talk to you sooner. That's all. Yes. Anyway, love you. Talk to you later. Bye, everybody. You too. Bye, everyone. Bye.